I mean, ultimately, I think my job is to be a storyteller. So yeah, potentially it could translate to paper. We'll see. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm your host, Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I am interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. Karuna Rawal was given a Trailblazing Mom Award by a woman's group called She Runs It. And they were basically awarding her because she had artfully achieved leadership while raising her children. And we all know that is very hard to do. I know I specifically am interested in knowing more about how to do that. And also her incredible career in marketing and advertising, where she credits her success to adaptability and pivoting. Thank you so much for being here today, Karuna. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So you were born in India. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So um, I was born in India, in New Delhi, India, actually. And um, my my dad actually worked for the Indian government. So I had a really interesting childhood, even though I was born there, I was only there for a brief time, two months actually, before we um, went to Egypt. And that's where I spent the first couple of years of my life. And then I've lived all over the world, um, just as he had different assignments. Um, so a lot of changing um, environments, changing schools, making new friends. So adaptability was kind of a key growing up. Absolutely. And you had mentioned this little interesting tidbit that uh, Vice President Harris had also was also from that area as well and walked on the same beaches. That's right. Um, yeah, it's a funny story, actually, because my grandfather, who had a house in the city called Chennai in in India, is where we spent um, you know quite a bit of time when we were in India visiting over the years. And um, there's a very famous beach there called Elliott Beach. And my, my grandfather lived, his house was right near there. So I remember walking from the house to the beach. And years later, when I was reading about Kamala Harris, I mean, I knew she was also part from the same state that I was um, I was from. But then she mentioned, you know, walking along Elliott Beach. And I thought, oh, my God. And then it turned out her grandfather also worked for the Indian government. Um, and so they were you know, we were picturing they were both involved in the in the uh, fight for the Indian independence and uh, had known Gandhi. And so I'm presuming at some point we may have been on the beach together, but um, they certainly must have known each other over the years. So it's yeah, it's a pretty remarkable coincidence. That's amazing. I just showed my kids Gandhi. I actually just showed my 11 year old Gandhi and yeah. I re- really took me back to when I used when I saw it in the movie theaters. You know, we mm-hmm. had the legitimate Remember those days? <laughs> oh my God, we had the legitimate, and also we had like an intermission that was honored. And she was right. blown away, and I was also blown away. Um, but you had left uh, when all that turmoil had happened. Is that correct? You were pretty yeah. much gone. Yeah, yeah. And you went into Manhattan. You lived in Manhattan for a yeah. while. Yeah, mm-hmm. and did. you're still so, you're, you're not there. That now you're in Chicago, right? That's right. I've been in Chicago for oh, over 20 years now. So I think Chicago is now officially home. But I did um, go from, you know, I lived in Egypt, as I mentioned, lived in India for a few years. Then we were in a um, country in the Himalayas called Bhutan. And from there, mm-hmm. I went directly to landed in JFK in Manhattan. And it was quite uh, an incredible experience to go from this tiny monarchy where there wasn't running water or milk 
or television to uh, landing in JFK and trying to figure out how escalators, elevators, and all these things I'd never, and skyscrapers work. So yeah, I was uh, around 10 or nine at the time. So it was uh, quite a contrast. So talk about adaptability again, that theme comes through. And so how did that play in when you were, can we, should we say rising the corporate ladder in marketing and advertising? I mean, you were at P&G, correct? For yeah. a while. How did you juggle having small kids and also being taken seriously in the corporate environment? Yeah, that's a great question. So yes, I did start my career at um, P&G coming out of business school and, you know, it was an environment, at least back in the day, where, you know, you basically, I, I still remember going to one of my early orientations, and there was a female, you know, general manager who said, well, basically, if you want to, you know, have kids, you just wait until you're, you know, at least a brand manager or a general manager. And I remember we all looked at each other and we're like, well, that's going to be a problem. That's a long time to wait. <laughs> uh, so, so I think there were a few of us, and I was probably one of the first brand managers. Um, you know, I was promoted very quickly, but soon after I became a brand manager, I also decided to start a family. So I was one of the first to actually announce that I was pregnant and a brand manager, um, which was, you know, pretty remarkable because there weren't that many women who had been successful doing both at that point. And um, but I was very fortunate because I had um, several bosses, including my current boss, who really was super supportive. So I think that was a huge part of it. Um, it was also learning how to balance those priorities and making sure that, you know, I built a really strong team. And I think that's always a big part of what um, I think has contributed to my success has been both the strong team at home and a strong mm-hmm. team at work. Um, to allow you to do that because it's important. And, you know, as a team, and I, I've said this to my team now, it's always give and take, right? There may be times when you need to take a half day or go to do what you need to do to go be a mom first. And I can cover for you and vice versa. And we all, you know, I've always worked that way. And I think that's a good way to show everybody to walk the talk too, because unless as a leader, you're doing that, it's really hard for your people to feel comfortable doing it. Exactly. And I think creativity and being in that container where the team feels supported is a really important key. I don't think there's enough talked about in that way. Uh, I think we still, as women, have a long way to go to sort of give each other, like, we give each other a leg up, but what you're talking about is almost like letting go of the pecking order a little bit. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I think there is that common bond we share as, as parents Mm -hmm. or moms or, you know, and dads, I think it's really important because I think it brings a sense of empathy. What I found it, it, it's made me a better marketer um, because you understand the reality of life. Just as I think this past year when people have been seeing up close their, you know, their teams, families, and all the things that people are dealing with. I mean, we're all going to become more empathetic. And I think as a marketer, that's your number one job. It's being able to walk in your consumer's shoes. And if you don't bring empathy to it, it's really, really hard. The other thing I tell my team, and, and I've learned a lesson over the years, is there's no such thing as a perfect balance day to day, right? You can't look at each day and be like, oh, this, you know, moms were always carrying around all that guilt because I didn't do this perfectly. I didn't do that perfectly. Right. And what I learned over the years is don't look at a day, look at, you know, a month, mm-hmm. two months, look back on a quarter and say, you know what? Every day wasn't perfect, but overall, did I balance my priorities? And I think that's the only thing that's gotten me through because there are weeks when work is the primary focus and it has to be. And there are other times when my kids have been, my family has been the primary focus. And those are just chapters in your career. And you have to kind of make sure that you balance both of them without 
carrying all that guilt with you. It's it's hard. The job comes with guilt. Um, the mommy it job. Does. It, really, <laughs> it really does. Yeah. It really does. But I think that that's an excellent point. You had referred to instead of a corporate ladder, you saw it more of a jungle gym. Do you see that also in, in family life? Like we're constantly like swinging on something and moving to something else and maybe falling and like getting back up and... Yeah, I think I think it's true. You know, I find that's true for me on both spheres. So from a, you know, career family, it's hard to separate sometimes, right? So I, I do look at it as a jungle gym. So when I, as I told you, when I first became pregnant and I was at P&G, I felt very supported. And then life threw me a curveball, which is my husband got this amazing opportunity in Chicago. And it made sense for him to pursue that. But that also meant that it was going to have an impact on my career. So um, I went and resigned and the company said, no, 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 we're not going to let you resign. Go to Chicago. We'll figure something out. And what they found for me was a very unique opportunity, which wasn't something I thought it wasn't a move up. It was a lateral move, but it allowed me the flexibility I needed at that time. It allowed me to be in Chicago. And then as it turned out, once I had my daughter, I really wanted to stay home with her. And it allowed me to do that as well and work from home. So it kind of balanced out in a nice way. I mean, so, and and that happened for a while. And then I went back to work and they allowed me to do part-time. So there were a lot of things that, you know, on, on the work side that allowed me the flexibility on the personal side. So it's been, you know, I, I look at my career very much as it's been a zigzag, right? There have been, there have been unexpected turns, but every one of them has led to something, some new skill set, new growth opportunities, and then led to another amazing opportunity down the road. And it's allowed me to have the balance I wanted at that stage with my family. So I think it's a, it's a yin yang all the time to this day, even though my kids are grown. <laughs> right. They're never not going to be your right. kids. They're always going to be in your life. Yeah. And now there's also the, I mean, I've got aging parents who also have mm. you know, needs. So trying to balance that. So I do think it's constantly like, okay, where do you give here? Do you take there? And you need, as I said, comes back to supportive teams on both sides to be able to pull it off. So I'm amazed at the women who, you know, and I didn't have, and as my kids were little, I didn't have any family nearby. So it was always just my husband and I and, you know, childcare solutions. And I had some amazing childcare givers who, you know, were part of the team. So I, I'm a big believer in it takes a village at work. It takes a village at home. So you need several villages as far as I'm concerned. Yes, I agree with that. So, so you have done work on the PL side, but you've also worked in the creative side. Tell me about you as a creative. How do you think? How does your brain work? Are you an aspiring author burning to write a book? We would love to help you at A Story Inside. Head over to astoryinside.com, that's A-S-T-O-R-Y, inside.com, where you can receive surefire tips, my weekly newsletter, and an opportunity to speak with me about going from desire to yes with that book. Time is of the essence, people. And now back to our great guest. I don't think I'm like a you know, come up with an idea out of the blue. But I, I think I'm someone who can take a lot of inspiration from different things and put a puzzle together. And I think that takes creativity too. So it's a different kind of creativity, but I continue to hone that skill. And it's it's really fun and super rewarding. So I was very lucky to work on some pretty amazing campaigns from a strategic insight um, standpoint at the Overnet. So that was a lot of fun. So writing a book would be like a whole different beast for you. It would. <laughs> it would. <laughs> 
yeah, I love writing, but yeah, it would be. Um, and as a, as a strategic planner, you do a lot of writing because you write creative briefs and you do. So telling stories is a big part of what you have to do as a, as a planner and as a creative strategist and as a marketer. I mean, ultimately, I think my job is being a storyteller. So yeah, potentially it could translate to paper. We'll see. <laughs> have you ever thought about writing a book? I have actually, um, but I, I always think of it as a someday, maybe not a today or tomorrow, because I just don't know when I'd have time to. And, and the idea of starting with a blank sheet of paper is always kind of a, or I guess it's not paper anymore, but <laughs> a blank right. screen. No, I mean, I actually, I actually have people write a lot on paper. I mean, once they get into writing chapters, yeah, it's more logical to do it in Google Docs or, you know, on right. the computer. But you just validated something amazing for me. I just created an entry program called From Someday to Author. You just quite, <laughs> you I just, did. We're already marketing and we're not yeah. even off the call. There you go. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you just completely validated my branding for me. Thank you so much. You could have just, I could have saved a lot of money. You're welcome. <laughs> So where do you see, um, and this would be something that I think that you could, you know, potentially write a book about sort of like a prescriptive memoir or a business book with some memoir in it. Where do you see coming on the horizon? What's the next ceiling? I hate this phrase, but nobody's come up with anything better yet. What's the next glass ceiling that women have to break? Hmm. I, I mean, I do think it's the we're getting there, right? Obviously, with our new vice president, we're, we're making progress, but I it's not pervasive enough. I mean, these are the fact that we call them out and look at them as these anomalies. I think it's, it's a lot of that. And it's, and I think it's really women of color too. We don't see, you know, enough women in leadership positions that are really going to have an impact and changing, you know, different aspects of society and business. I mean, there's very few of us in business as you, you know, as you start to look um, across the board. And I think that's where the challenge is, is how do we bring more diverse voices to the table because when you do have, you know, and it's been proven in all the data, when you have one woman on a board, you know, it doesn't have as much impact as if you have two women, right? Like that one woman often doesn't get hurt. But when you have two, all of a sudden you start to have a real impact. So, you know, we're barely there on getting one. But, you know, getting to two or more is really where we need to be. And, and you know, why should. I love the the thought of, you know, why shouldn't the Supreme Court be all women, right? Like, they, <laughs> we get a lot done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I had not heard that about the board meeting or uh, the yeah. board having more than one woman. That makes a lot of sense because when yeah. women get together, they can be very tribal. Yeah. You know, with their decision making processes. And that's yeah historically what we were supposed to do. We're not supposed to be necessarily out particularly hunting and gathering. We're supposed to be really in the think tank, you know, coming up with, uh, you know, solutions for how to make everything harmonious and um, lucrative. And, you know, we're just, we're just built that way. I think also uh, with COVID people, women are seeing more how they can be Gosh, I hope they're seeing this, how they can just sort of drop the bat a little bit about themselves and how that they can work at home and be a, like a yeah. C-suite executive. I mean, wouldn't that yeah. be great? You know, that you get to see your children grow up and, you know, run a company and have it be successful. But I think we're probably going to have to see more models of that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's funny because I spent so much of my career. So when I think when I mentioned to you, when I moved to Chicago, I worked from home 
for six years for P&G in a marketing director role. And I did it from home. That's amazing. Yeah. We're breaking Um, the, breaking the. (laughs) That was unheard of. Um, (laughs) And then I was the first marketing director to work part-time and I worked every version of part-time, you know, four days, three days, two, I was down to two and a half days before I finally said, okay, this is getting really challenging, (laughs) but my point is it's doable. So then when I came to the agency side, I was told the same thing, like, oh, you know, it's you can't have account managers who are working part time or working from home. And I said, of course you can. We just have to figure out how to make it work for them. And so I had several women, um, several moms who wanted to be part time. Otherwise, we're going to leave the agency and we would have lost that talent. So we figured out a way to make it work. And it was it works just fine. If anything, I, what I found, what I know from my own experiences, moms are incredibly efficient. You know, we figure out how to get a, and you get a lot more out of an employee who's actually working from home, as we've all seen now. Being, I mean, we're all working longer hours, right? Because we can't, we can get to our desks a little too easily. Um, so it makes it, it makes it challenging. But no, I think we're going to have to figure out the right balance and flexibility by employee because it's different for everybody. You know, you might need a Friday every other week, and I might need a Monday morning because that's when I, you know, volunteer at school or whatever it is. I think we can make it work. We're all adults, so I, I'm a big believer in. You know, there's obviously times when you need people in the office and everybody has to be there, but there are lots of times when you don't need that. And I think we've seen that this past year. Now that your children are older, you're starting to get into more of a charitable, sustainable area in your life. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe that you're involved in an organization that is proteins, food proteins. And yeah, alternate proteins. Yep. Alternate proteins and, and helping stop, you know, hunger around the world. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you always wanted to do, but just didn't have the time with your kids and work? And now you're able to have the time to do that? Well, it's it's interesting because I've always been, I started my career in food. I'm a big food, you know, I love to cook. It's a big part of what I spend my time doing. Um, food is a big part of our family, has always been a part of our culture. So I've always been involved in food. And then I also, throughout my career side, I've always been interested in innovation in the food space and um, health and wellness and all of those trends. So this opportunity with the startup I'm with called Nature's Fine now is a, kind of all of it coming together. It was It's almost like it was meant to be a come full circle because I'm working in the food space. I'm working in innovation. I'm working on something that is going to allow um, you know us to feed our 10 billion population uh, without using more land and water and energy like we're doing today, especially as climate change comes in. So it feels like it's the culmination of all of those things coming together for me personally. And it's very much in line with my own values. We're introducing a vegan protein. I've grown up vegetarian. My daughter's vegan. And so it was something that I think it just needed to be the right time. And I was ready for the opportunity. I could bring all of the things I've learned together because this job literally requires everything I've learned over the years. And I get to bring all of that to bear on something that's, you know, literally a seed that we have to grow into something much, much bigger. Amazing. Well, you keep on pivoting and it doesn't sound like you're going to be stopping anytime soon. I really appreciate you coming in and talking with us today in the studio. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kim. This was really fun. I'm glad we had a chance to have this conversation. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe or review on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, Spotify, and Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts.